0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: To see if in our parenting, we're like the rancher who drives a herd or the shepherd who leads a flock. Are we driving, pushing, exasperating, provoking, irritating, frustrating our children? Or are we leading them? leading them in the ways of the Lord.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kanohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. As parents, are we like the rancher who drives a herd, or are we shepherds who are leading a flock? In today's message from Pastor J.D., he encourages us to be the kind of parents they are not driving and harsh towards our children. But our parents were lovingly leading our children in the ways of the Lord. Shepherd children to the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you could get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 6 with part 2 of his message, The Difficulty of Parenting.
1: I don't like that term (laughs) because active alert means you'll never sleep again because of the way that child is wired. And so when we had our second son, Levi, a year and a half, almost two years later, he came out and, I mean, he was almost the polar opposite in his temperament than was our firstborn son. And I even remember, I mean, he smiled right out of the womb. And I was so stunned and taken back by that, I actually said to my wife, I think something's wrong with him. <laughs> he he was such a happy, easygoing, mild, love. In fact, we call him Lovey Levi. He hates it when we call him that now because he's going to be 18 but we still do, (laughs) in front of his friends. We love doing that. But he's the opposite of his older brother who's very intense, focused. I don't know where he gets that from, but anyway. (laughs) And I mean, he's so intense and so active and he was walking by nine months of age. I mean, just, and and they have, you know, you read all those books that say, man, if they're walking by nine months of age, look out. Well, I only say that because these children that God has given us are wired very differently. And this is why we have this proverb, this, dare I say, famous proverb in Proverbs 22, verse 6. You know it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, it's unfortunate that this proverb has been, for the most part, misunderstood, and has led to much debate amongst Bible teachers. I've heard this taught in many different ways, and... I've read all the books on this particular proverb, and there is this debate on two fronts, the first of which has to do with the meaning of the way he should go. And then secondly, what it means when it says the child will not depart from it when they're old. I would submit that the correct understanding of this proverb is that we are to train them in the admonition of the Lord according to their particular bent. What's really interesting about the original language is that it carries with it the idea of the midwife. When a baby is born, they would clear the airway of that baby, that newborn. And so you, you take that and you transpose it To the understanding of this verse. And you can see it this way. That we're to create a way. Train them up in the way that's conducive to their particular bent. And it's going to be different for this child than it is for that child. So the promise is. And this is where we also get into some trouble with this proverb. Is the promise is that if we do that, then they will continue in that way, in the ways of the Lord, when they're older and as they get older. That's the promise. That's the proverb. That's what it means. This is why the Amplified Bible parenthetically renders Proverbs 22, verse 6, this way. Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the promise. Now, let me hasten to add that this proverb does not mean we just let them do whatever their particular bent is. Rather, we are to train and disciple them. And I use the word disciple because it comes from the word discipline, to disciple, to discipline. And by the way, it's the same word in Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, that's translated chastening in the sense of a corrective discipline. We are to correct And direct, to train, to disciple, to discipline them in the ways of the Lord. And we're to customize our training according to the child's bent, correcting and directing them in the ways of the Lord. And it's different for each child. What worked with one child is not going to work with the other child. I learned early on, and I'm still learning, and it's very interesting, the different learning styles that children have. This is why some children do not do well in your standard classroom environment. They're kinesthetic learners, and they have to always be moving, and some are tactical learners. They, they, they learn by touch, and then you have visual learners, and I'll tell you, I mean, you have to discern and know and discover what that bent is and that learning ability is in your child. Because it will not only frustrate you to no end, it will frustrate them in the end if you try to train them in the way that they were never wired to be trained. I remember when my, my firstborn son was very young. He was a cubbies in Awanas, We had an Awana charter in the first church that I planted and pastored on the mainland. And so when it came time to, you know, take him to Awana's, we would have to do the the memory verse. And we would practice, you know, throughout the week. And I would try to, you know, I'd say to him, okay, now sit down and let's memorize this verse. And he would look at me with this look like, did you say I have to sit down? Yeah. Sit still so we can memorize this verse. All he could think about was, you mean I can't move? No. Sit there and let's memorize this verse. Do you know that he never memorized a verse that way? (laughs) Do you want to know why he never memorized a verse that way? Because he's not wired that way. So (laughs) thank God for those who have... Done and gone before us as parents in this regard (laughs) and written books about this. But I discovered that he's not that kind of a learner. He's the kind of learner that needs to be jumping up and down on a trampoline, hanging from, you know, the ceiling, running around the yard, and he'll memorize every and any verse you ever give him to memorize. And we did that and he did that. Okay, uh, Elias, why don't you just go ahead and, uh, run back and forth and, uh, let's memorize. And even in our family devotions, yeah, you can, this is where I think we get discouraged, you know, with our family altar time when our children are young and we have those family devotions. You got one kid that's over here thinking to himself, I, I can't sit here. I, I need to be doing something I need to be moving around. I need, you know, I need stimulation. I need activity. And you got the other child that says, I can't learn that way. Are you kidding me? I need to sit down here, and I need to sit still and, and take this in. So how are you going to do that? We have to get really creative. And God gives you the grace for that. But our children are given to us with this particular bent. I, I tell you, we have three children. Of course, our daughter, who is now 11. <laughs> and not only is there a difference between your children, there's a difference between boys and girls, right? So we're we're learning. Pray for us because we had to throw out all of our notes on bringing up boys now that we have this daughter who is in a completely different story. So um, I need to get through this teaching. So just hang in there with me. I, I need to do my best here. I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to take the time to point something out here that's in the text, and it's this word, instead. I want to draw your attention to this word, instead. To me, this word not only provides the explanation, but it also provides the application. And I'll explain what I mean. Instead of pressuring and pushing our children to please us, were to be training and instructing them to be pleasing to the Lord. Here's what's sad. Many a parent harshly demands perfection from their children, which will only leave them feeling inadequate and then eventually leave them feeling very bitter and resentful. And here's why. The child will see their acceptance solely based upon their performance. So in other words, they won't feel loved for who they are. Instead, they'll become discouraged because they're never good enough. And and by the way, our children want to please us, right? So here we are demanding from them that they dance to the beat of our drums, so to speak. And we do err greatly because oftentimes it comes at the expense of what God desires, and that's that they be pleasing to the Lord. How many children will say of their parents, you know, I just could never, it was just never good enough. I come home with bees." Why don't you have A's come home with C's why don't you have B's this is never good enough and so here's this child who is wired God made them to want to please they need from us as parents affection attention and admiration and an affirmation. They they need to be affirmed, and this is where positive reinforcement comes in more so than negative reinforcement. Children respond more favorably to that positive direction and correction than they do when we come in from the other side and we just beat them down and we're hard on them and here again we might have the best of intentions we do the right thing but we do it in the wrong way because we want to push our children to be high achievers right You'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but maybe we need to revisit our definition of success. Where are the goalposts for your children? I mean, do you want them to be successful in life? Become, you know, have a high paying career, a prestigious title? Okay, nothing wrong with that. But let me ask you a question. And it's a question that I've had to ask myself, especially with a son going off to college. What is my definition of success? Here's what the definition of success is. Are they walking with the Lord? Are they walking with the Lord? That's success. That's success. Well, yeah, but I, I had higher expectations. That they would become, you know, a doctor, a physician, a lawyer. I don't know why anybody want anybody, but anyway, I'm sorry. If you're a lawyer, we love you. God bless you. Hey, listen, I can say that because I, I'm a car dealer. Okay. You can laugh now. That's fine. I had somebody many years ago. This is on the mainland, long before I was in the ministry, uh, come up to me and say, how can you be a car dealer and a Christian at the same time? Yeah, so that's why I can say that about lawyers, okay? Maybe you have these expectations for what you want your children to become, but isn't it ultimately that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is that not the definition of parenting success? At least as God defines it. I think we would do well to revisit and even examine ourselves to see if in our parenting we're like the rancher who drives a herd or the shepherd who leads a flock. Are we driving, pushing, exasperating, provoking, irritating, frustrating our children? Or are we leading them? leading them in the ways of the Lord discovering and discerning their particular bent and then training them accordingly in the ways of the Lord now right about now you're looking at me going okay pastor this is all great and everything but my kids are older now and that ship has sailed well I realize that and I understand that and I respect that and I'm with you in that. Because in that sense it is too late and they're already on their own and you've already kind of, you know, launched them and maybe there's a myriad of emotions that come as a result like discouragement and hopelessness. And here's the biggie, guilt. (laughs) And the feeling of guilt can set in because we buy into this notion that, man, I've totally blown it. Well, I want to encourage you because it's never too late. It's never too late. God is faithful. And it's never too late. For our children, no matter their age, never, ever, ever, ever give up on them, even if they're the quintessential prodigal who's as far away from you as they are from the Lord. Let me just share with you, and I'll bring it in for a close just from my own life personally. When it comes to a wayward son or a wayward daughter, there is no match for the power of a praying parent. I know that might sound, I don't know, cliche, canned. Oh, there's power in prayer. No, 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 no. no. I'm standing before you today as a parent who has prayed for my children, and I'm standing before you today bearing witness to the power of a praying parent. Prayer and fasting, that wayward son, that wayward daughter, is no match for the power of a praying parent. One more thing. I'm not angry. I know you're... you're. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ephesians six four should read, you know, pastors don't, you know, exasperate your congregation. <laughs> if I've done that, forgive me. I don't know if it's possible to overstate this and again i'm just sharing from my own life personally my own experience as a father first and foremost by the way and why i say that is because i'm a father first and a pastor second i hope you understand that i know i've shared this before maybe i need to share it again in the context of this teaching but this church can find another pastor my children cannot find another me in concert with praying For our children, we have to be unconditionally loving our children. Again, I don't know if it's possible. In fact, it's not very possible to overstate this. But one of the things that I am learning is that I need to love my children no matter what. I don't know if you know this or not, but we get, you know, a lot of prayer requests from people all over the world from our online church. And I'll tell you, it's pretty heartbreaking because every so often there's a parent that is pleading with us to pray for them because their daughter, their son has just told them that they have a same sex attraction and are entering into that lifestyle or already in that lifestyle. How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to that? No, seriously. I'm going to put a verse up on the screen, and I would really actually encourage you to write it down or even turn there in your Bible. It's the second part of Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And this is a verse that God has used in my life in a powerful way in my parenting. The Apostle Paul says that it's the goodness of God that leads one to repentance. It's the kindness of God, the grace of God, the love of God that leads one to repentance. It's when there's that unconditional love where you say to your child, you know, I love you so much, more than anything. And we're going to get through this. I will never shut the door on you. I will never shut down on you. I will never abandon you. I will always be there for you. I will always love you. doesn't mean that you loving them is not synonymous with accepting their sinful behavior. And I think that's where parents get tripped up. Certainly there is such a thing as tough love. But I think that sometimes the emphasis is on the tough and not the love. You'll melt your child's heart with the love that you have in your heart for them. That's the way God wired them. Love them and pray for them. And that's how I want to close. And again, I know it sounds like a firm grasp of the obvious. But I want to say to you that if you will pray for your children fervently, and love your children unconditionally, you'll see the goodness of the Lord and the grace of God in their lives.
0: Community is so important to a growing relationship with Jesus. We weren't meant to walk this Christian life alone. God has blessed us with spiritual brothers and sisters, all imperfect people serving a perfect Creator. We will find ourselves in times of trial as we deepen our faith and follow Jesus, so we need to have a community of believers to lean on. Your church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. In turn, you provide the same for them. Have you found a group of Jesus followers that you can invest in? If you're in the Kaneohe area and don't have a church, we would be more than happy to welcome you into our family. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Before our time is through with you today, we want to tell you how you can listen to more editions of In Spirit and Truth. Did you know you can take in Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us next time as we continue in the book of Ephesians on In Spirit and Truth.